This is the Stay Healthy Experience. I'm Robert Ferguson, joined by my co-host, Barbara, a.k.a. BK, and Mr. Daniel Baldwin. What's up, Daniel? Hey, I know. What's up, Daniel? (laughs) (laughs) See, look what you did. You talked us into making you like one of the the leaders of the show. Yeah, right. Unbelievable. He He tried to get rid of me. I know. Now, now, listen, Barbara. Yes. Barbara. Yes. Do you remember when I first came on the show, which was not that long ago? Right. It was his idea to add me on. It was. It was. And then I, I convinced him. Right. We convinced and, you. And what he did was he took a beautiful, smart, well-educated, and dedicated female to lure me in <laughs> to be on the show. He knew how to get me. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you. We are definitely happy to have you. And people love the very first segment we had Daniel yeah. on. So that was awesome. And and today, Daniel, we don't have a guest in studio. Mm-hmm. And we know you're coming all the way from where Santa Claus lives. <laughs> <laughs> I still have to check this place out. It's called Syracuse, New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, would you agree, Daniel, that Santa Claus lives somewhere near you? Yeah, we're up there. Uh, um, I can send Robert a picture of what 192 inches of snow last year looks like. Oh, my goodness. 192. 192 inches of snow last season, which roughly is like between 15 and 16 feet of snow. That's crazy. Yeah. Like I actually had in my life, I had an opportunity as a kid. And I tell my kids this story all the time. It was the 1978 blizzard. Uh-huh. Uh, I was 10 years old and I'll never forget like waking up in the morning yeah. and you couldn't go outside because your door got basically trapped by right. all the snow. That's crazy. And I think Daniel, you were telling me you had that, you guys have those same situations, right? Well, what happened was Robin is from Boca Raton, Florida. Uh-huh. And so we met. She lived her whole life down in Florida. Oh, my goodness. And then we moved to Malibu, California. Okay. And finally, we decided to move back here to be closer to my mother and, and some other of my family members. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first winter we were here, I put the snow shovel inside the house by the front door. And I came down the stairs because we, they were calling for a big storm, like 36 inches of oh snow overnight. So I, I go out in the patio and the snow shovel is outside. So I grabbed the shovel. I put it back inside. And Robin comes down and says, she goes, if you leave that damn shovel in this house one more time, I said, Robin, you have to have it in the house. And she went, what are you talking about? I go, right. you got to dig your way out. Yeah. If we're getting the kind of snow and the wind is blowing, the drift will go all the way up to the top of the ceiling of the door. You cannot physically open the door to your house. You have to take the door, smoosh it open a little bit, take the shovel on an angle and wet, just start burrowing your way out. Right. See, so I have no clue about what that's like. That's why whenever people talk about snow, I'm always like, oh, I want it to snow here. But then like you, like you just shared, Robert, like if you've lived in it, it's completely, completely different. Experience. I mean, and it can be fun. Yeah. Like I remember eventually being able to get outdoors again mm-hmm. and then creating tunnels, basically oh igloos gosh. where we would like go through the tunnels. And that's yeah. how we were able to get from the, the porch of the house to the street. That's crazy. That is insane. And then people wonder why I never went back. Right. And we get excited here if it rains. We're like, all right. So exciting. Now, now I know you guys aren't, you know, since we don't have a uh, guest today. Mm -hmm. And Daniel, you know, is like a built-in guest. Yes. Uh, Daniel has an extensive background and understanding about recovery. 
And I wanted yeah. to, uh, this is one of the topics that I wanted to bring up, Daniel. I want to talk about it. Yes. Because there's so many people, especially around the holidays. Yeah. Uh, where it seems to be, I don't know, elevated. Uh, mm -hmm. And it just crushes families because they go on Facebook and all they see is all the pictures of what people want people to perceive their life as oh, like. Oh, right. Oh. But yet they're dealing with their son who is addicted to meth. Right. or heroin or mm -hmm. you know those kind of challenges and so my opening question to daniel because yeah. he's a major advocate for recovery he's helped people he's helped himself etc he works with our partner greg hanley who owns sober recovery and right. my question to you daniel is when it comes to social media mm -hmm. pros and cons how does it tie into recovery or the lack of opportunity to experience recovery if that makes sense yeah Hmm. Well, first of all, before we do it, I want to I want to give both of you a better understanding of where I'm living in the snow from last year. So you now <laughs> possess sir, a picture of the lake road. Take a look. Okay, I'm looking at the. Let's see. Oh my goodness! Got to share. That's an SUV. That's crazy. That's an SUV driving down the lake road. And where's where's out. Lake wow. Road? It, so if you get a chance to show that to the camera yeah. in some way. Yeah, we'll put it up on B-rolls. Okay, good. Good, good. Just want you to understand what I'm talking that's about. That's crazy. That's, now that's that's, that's, that's ten snow. and a half feet of snow to each side of the highway that they just keep lifting and lifting. That's crazy. Wow. wow. Um, anyway, so I'm not sure I understand the question, Robert. Well, what is the correlation between social media and sobriety or recovery yeah well okay so during the times you know with the holidays right mm -hmm. uh right. you go on there and and so so let me set it up by saying not everyone has all the money in the and are in a position to buy their kids these amazing toys right and mm -hmm. when you go on social media you know, like last year and every year i watch these people you know taking photos of these elaborate toys, these amazing vacations. I mean, it just looks amazing. And if you have no money mm -hmm. and you're struggling to see if you can at least have electricity for the holidays, mm -hmm. the, the last thing I want to do is, is go on Facebook. And so oh, I thinking from that perspective, mm -hmm. you have someone whose child just died or is going through recovery or they're getting ready to do like a, a you know, one of those gatherings where you, like an intervention right. and they go on Facebook and they're seeing nothing but love and sunshine. You know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. and I, and, and, right. and I always wonder like, how do people, I don't know. I think that social media may play a role of helping as well mm -hmm. as hindering or hurting when it comes to recovery and other aspects of life. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know so much if I'm going to, there are two things that, that jump out at me in, in recovery. If I had a choice, with every single addict or alcoholic that I've personally placed in, Robert, you've been privy to see how many I actually go and get myself and put them in. Mm -hmm. um, I would take a hammer and I would smash their telephone and reset that whole thing. Mm -hmm. That phone is nothing but trouble for you when it comes to recovery because it's filled with contacts and people's names that you drank, used, and purchased drugs and did terrible things with that mm -hmm. you were trying to avoid. So losing your phone is I would throw every one of them into a lake. I would. Um, they, they, they lead to relapse many, many times. Mm. I will tell you the common denominator. What is the one common thing that we all have when it comes to any holiday? What are we going to do in the holidays? Uh, get together. <laughs> Families come together. Get together with? Family. Family. 
family. Think about this for a minute. You're all going to get together with family. And when you're in new recovery and you're a drug addict or an alcoholic, you're getting together with a bunch of people whose spider sense is ultra sensitive right now. Mm. You, the last few times they saw you or over years of seeing you, you were screwing up really bad. You were getting arrested. You right. were doing drugs. You were neglecting your kids. You weren't working. Mm -hmm. So that's not going to go away. So when people subject themselves, one of the things that happens in early recovery is you go, hey, look, I'm great. Look, everybody. And you expect that because you've been clean for 90 days, six months, that 10 years of misery is all going to go away. It's not. And you're setting yourself up for a really big letdown. So doing this in increments, going for Thanksgiving just for the dinner, show up right before they're going to eat, get through the meal. It all goes well and then go. Mm -hmm. And certainly don't go to things when family members are going to be drinking. Don't go to that. Mm -hmm. um, you're, in, you're allowed to put your recovery first. It should be the most important thing to you. God and your recovery. Your higher power and your recovery. And the mistake people make is that they go to those functions because they think they're going to make everything better. And they're not going to make everything better. You're going to have that one brother that goes, so what? You got 90 days. And you're going to feel really bad. He's going to shame you. You're going to, listen, I did this. Right. I walked up in front of my brother, Alec, when I had a year sober. And he goes, okay, 20 years of junkie, one year sober. Where's the balance? That I'm, I'm supposed to jump to the other side now and hug you and invite you. And like, no, you got to get some time. Right. You got you to gotta, you gotta make this look like it's going to last. You got you to gotta, you gotta make us feel safe. They don't feel safe. And, and the expectation that you have as an addict, I know I did. I thought everyone was going to, be bowing. Way to go, Daniel. Way to go. <laughs> yeah. They didn't. They were like, is he going to steal anything? Okay. Mm. Well, you know, it's, it's so interesting. Yeah. Uh, like there's, there's two things that came to mind as you were sharing that, Daniel. And one is I went through recovery with my mom. So mm -hmm. when I was 12, 13 years old, my mom decided to go and get help. Mm -hmm. Well, we didn't have Facebook back then. Right. We didn't have the phones that we have today. Uh -huh. There was no internet. Right. right. <laughs> it was a stone age. You couldn't ages. just have a show like this. I mean, you had AB, You needed to get ABC involved, uh, NBC, Fox. I mean, you name it. Mm -hmm. And so my mom, Daniel, you know, as you would, you know, imagine, my mom goes away for thirty days. Oh wow! Like she's gone, and I, I believe maybe halfway through that, or. Toward the end, we were given an opportunity to go in and, and see her. Wow. But after 30 days of going through that mm -hmm. and then coming out, I'll never forget, my mom made a decision that yeah. she was going to get rid of certain friends. Oh. And I'll never forget my mom coming home mm -hmm. and two of her really good friends, you know, came to the house to see her because they hadn't seen her. Right. And the guy, it was a husband and wife, walks in. With a nice sized glass of Crown Royal, Daniel. <laughs> you kid, that is crazy. Now at thirteen years old, I'm going. Something is it's just not, not. It's not lining up here. <laughs> oh my God, that's crazy. No, that's like a soft crazy story. I bet Daniel, you have some some interesting stories, right? Right. Oh my. You know, there, I'm sure. there, there's there's an intent that you have. You know, if you're getting sober. For anyone else but yourself, you probably won't succeed. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and I say that because I had jobs, network television jobs. I thought I was going to lose the job or, uh, you know, but I, uh, it wasn't until the end 
you know, even my own children, which you think would be a motivating factor, and it should be, but you need to get sober for yourself. I remember once I went into a rehab in Marina Del Rey, one of the nine times I went to rehab. Mm -hmm. And on my way in, I had a, I was smoking cocaine in the, in the limo on my way to the place. And the, the pipe had resin in it, like a huge amount of resin that had built up in the pipe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a much more intense level of cocaine in the resin. And, you know, the, the drug addict to me said, well, I can't just throw this pipe out. I mean, there's thousands of dollars worth of resin. So I hid it in the bushes outside. The, and I didn't know what room I was going to be in. It turned out it was the room, the window of the room I was going to be in. And I spent 30 days in that rehab. And every night I'd look out to see if the pipe was still, the landscapers found it and no one found it. And after 30 days, taking my chip, graduating, I walked out the door, called the limousine to pick me up. I specifically asked the limousine to have a partition that was that was a blackout that you couldn't see me. Grabbed the pipe, chipped out the stuff, and got high one block away from the place. Wow! Oh, gosh! <laughs> wow! Yeah. See, I mean, uh, every day I went, that I is my that is crazy, and that is going on constantly. I know. One time I was talking to Greg, our partner in recovery, and he was sharing with me how a gentleman had just checked in right. um, to get help. And he had a jacket on. Mm -hmm. So they have him remove his jacket and a needle is still stuck in his arm. Oh my God. Did, did you, I mean, top that I one, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> it's that, crazy. I had a girl whose mother called me off of Facebook because I put out there that I'm in recovery and I'm here to help you and it doesn't matter. Um, I'll come to your house and I'll help you and your kid or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so she called me up and I'll make up her name for now to protect right. the family they're watching. But her name was Allison. And so this woman says, my daughter Allison was number two in her graduating class three years ago. She's now at a high school for three years. Mm -hmm. She was almost a valedictorian. So obviously a very good student, very bright. Mm -hmm. She is um, hooking on Backpage, selling her body to supply herself with more heroin in downtown Syracuse. And she's in bad trouble. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, and she's living with you? And she said, yes. And I said, all right, well, you want to first get a thing called a Narcan kit. And she said, what's that? I said, should anything bad happen with this fentanyl that's now laced in all the heroin? And she overdoses. Mm -hmm. It's the only survival method you'll have. You break this thing under her nose and you get her to breathe and then you spray it in her nose and it will revive her from an overdose. I said, you want one in your pocketbook, you want one in the house, you want one in your car, get three of them. So she got them. Mm -hmm. She called me up and she said, thank God I had the Narcan kit. I found Allison lying on the floor in my living room with the needle broken off in her arm with no pulse mm -hmm. and no, she wasn't breathing. I immediately shot the Narcan into her nose. It didn't work. I shot the second Narcan into her nose and it revived her. I dialed 911. Allison was taken in an ambulance to the hospital mm -hmm. where they got her steady. They stabilized her. And then, of course, they can't hold her. And she, not being a minor, signed herself out AMA against medical advice and, and left the hospital. What should I do? But I said, I've, you've got your insurance approved. They're waiting for you in Texas right now. Um, get her on the plane or fly her yourself if she's a flight risk. Uh, and let's get her in that bed. And she said, well, now this was Tuesday. She said, well, Hal is away until Friday night. Can we send her on Saturday? I want to run all this by my husband. Mm. 
Uh-oh. I want to run this by my husband. And I said, ma'am, <laughs> did you just tell me you found your lifeless daughter in the living room and had to double Narcan her back to life? And what do you need to check with your husband? Right. Well, I just feel like he's going to be upset if I made a big move like this. I said, okay, well, you let me know. Friday morning, I called to see what time Hal would be home. Allison had overdosed and no one found her in time on Thursday night and she was dead. Wow. So we lost this girl because we needed to go check with Hal. So it's we're dealing with a, a disease that unlike alcohol, very few people die from alcohol poisoning. It happens, but very few. It's a slow, terrible death to watch an alcoholic destroy their liver, destroy their organs, and, and slowly but surely develop what's called wet brain, where you can't even understand what they're saying anymore, and they damage their, their actual brain. But that's a 20, 30-year you know, process where it's, all the consequences that happen in between are terrible, but the actual physical death doesn't occur for a long time. It doesn't take very much fentanyl mm-hmm. in a needle to end your life. I mean, it, it, it's actually, you, if I could show you by taking a salt shaker and going one little time, that much fentanyl, extra 25, 50 grains, you're dead. Wow. One shot, minute it touches your, your, your bloodstream. Wow. So, you know, and remember, this is not being mixed by a chemist where he's weighing it. This is being done in a hotel room nice. in Tijuana. You know, so someone's, you know, breaking up this big brick of heroin and sprinkling five ounces on top of it and mixing it by hand and making the envelopes that you're sold in. Listen, you can have 500 grains more in one, and the second it touches your arm, you're overdosed and dead. And this happens a lot. Wow. It happens a lot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, we're calling it an epidemic, but we're not as a nation treating it as an epidemic because there's no federal funding to help us right now. I turned down more kids and, and, and SOBA, the recovery center, is forced to because they have to keep make enough money to keep the place open. So Greg Hanley has been very, very generous with scholarshiping people. If he's got a bed available, he does it. But, man, we, we if we don't do something with some federal dollars to fight this, mm-hmm. we lost more kids this year than we lost in the Vietnam War. Vietnam, the entire war. Remember that war that was on TV in the 60s and 70s? 58,000 people. We've lost almost 70,000 kids between the ages of 15 and 25 to overdoses this year. And the year's only, you know, we're only into November. Wow. So we still got another month. It'll go to, it'll, it'll go to 75. There, I think it's 200 and something kids die a day. Two, 50 or 270 oh a day. Well, you know, my, my mind, my mind, when you were sharing that story, Daniel, oh. my mind goes right to the mom who made that executive decision uh-huh. to say, you know, I, I, let me talk to, to dad or whoever that was. And then you lose your kid. What happens with the mom? You know what I mean? Like, so you're uh, a mom, Barbara. Yeah. So what happens? Like, h- how would you deal with that? Right. Cause you're being, I, I kind of get it, Daniel. Like, She's being trying to be respectful. Right. It's a big decision for the family, financial decision. Right. And they've, you know, she hasn't died yet. So why not like say, you know what, let me check with the husband mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna get back to you. Yeah. You, would you do that, Barbara? Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's kind of hard. I mean, my, my gut says no, I wouldn't. I guess the thing is I wonder though, without knowing their history, what led up to that? Had there been so many different incidences and just drama and who knows what that that maybe they're just a little uh, just kind of conservative with what to do next? You know, maybe they're just at 
You feel like you have the time. I mean, is that making sense, like Daniel, or like you may know more of the backstory? Yeah, I mean, you're you're on it. You just don't know you're on it yet because I can answer the questions by asking one more question of Barbara. Are you ready? Yes, yes. So, Barbara, Mm -hmm. we're going to go to uh, uh, pretend land. Okay. Um, uh, You are married to Robert. Okay. And he is the father. He is the father of your of your daughter. Right. Okay. Mm So and he's wearing this shirt. Robert and he's and he's wearing he's, this. Yeah, got this nice shirt on. His like, shiny shirt. <laughs> okay, now. got a disco shirt. <laughs> right. So okay, so, so, so we have a daughter. This now, because this will prove my point okay. about what's called the disease. Okay. Okay. So God forbid your mutual daughter Robert's on the road. He's in Philadelphia doing an appearance with me for Die Free Life, okay. and you have your daughter by yourself. And God forbid she gets in a horrendous car crash that rips her entire right leg off her body. And the surgeons say, we need to take her in now and we need to try to save that leg. Or worse yet, we need to amputate the leg to save her life. She has an 80% chance of dying if you don't have us do it. We're in the operating room now. Right. And you can't get a hold of Robert. Do you amputate her leg? I'm sorry. I don't get I can't get a hold of him. And then what? I didn't quite hear you. You can't get a hold of Robert. Uh-huh. Do you amputate your daughter's leg to save her life? Yeah. You would. To save you her would? life. You wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't get a hold of Robert to save her life? No. Of course you wouldn't. You're a mother. You do what they told you to right. do. So the answer to this is, and why I said in this question mm-hmm. lies the answer, mm-hmm. both of you do not accept the fact, like most Americans, that this is a disease a life-threatening disease mm. that is no less than losing the leg to save the life. So she thought she had time. She didn't see it as an emergency. Mm. She doesn't see it as a life-threatening disease. She sees it as, well, I can wait till Friday when hell comes. You just saw your kid with a broken needle in her living room. She was dead. Right. But because we don't treat it as an emergency in this country the way it should be treated, and we don't see it because many think of it as she's making a choice to do that. We don't see it. We got to cut this leg off right now. Right. She's in the emergency room and we don't treat it that mm-hmm. way. And I'm not blaming you, no. but most people don't. No, it's... And so I say to many people, when I lose them, treat it like it's an emergency because it is an emergency. It takes one bad shot, one, and it's over. It's over. Mm-hmm. It's literally the same as making that right. choice. And she didn't see it as an emergency. She saw it that she had time. Mm-hmm. And she lost. She rolled the bones. Yeah. I mean, it's a, a great point that you share. And I think even like as a segue, Robert, I mean, can't you even see the fact of just dealing with excess body fat? I know it's a completely different issue, but people dealing with excess body fat. Wow. And Barbara's then, actually starting. I mean, I guess we spent a lot of time together. So. But isn't it true, though? When you hey, Very good. I yeah. like the transition there, Barb. Yeah. See, you guys need well, you think me. Think of that D money. You need me. <laughs> But I told you, man, I'm Matt Johnson. I just lob it up and she dunks it. I mean, like, uh. Well, it's funny. As you're saying that, Barbara, I'm thinking, and as Daniel was talking, my Uh mind went to Governor Tommy Thompson. Yes. And when he was the secretary for the Department of Health and Human Services, Mm -hmm. he was very adamant, and still to this day he is, that the number one terrorist threat we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis is excess body fat. Yeah. And he sees it, he looks at excess body fat and how it's a slow killer, is is shortening the lives of many of our kids, et cetera. Right. He looks at that the same as Daniel's passion looks at 
Absolutely. You know, this this addiction crisis that we're dealing with. Uh, Do you see the parallel, Daniel, between the two? Well, what I see in it is the unfortunate um, um, correlation between death. Um, Mm -hmm. I see the body fat thing as more like I see alcoholism. It's a it's a slow process that takes years usually for it to happen. And the really sad thing is, um, I, I have a, a family member that just recently said to me, um, their child said, um, I don't want to come over and stay at your house tonight because you don't have the snacks that I like. You don't give the kid your kids the same snacks as my mother gives me. Mm. And I spent time with other family members' kids, and they're just knocking down the donuts and they're knocking down. <laughs> They're not good. And, and I, so I said to this one particular niece, who's their mother, I said, do you not realize that my sister Beth is a diabetic, that my mother's a diabetic, that I'm a diabetic, that my brother Alec is pre-diabetic? I said, so this is in our family. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and my sister Jane, myself, my sister Beth, and Beth, who you're working with now with Diet Free Life, we have, um, you know, we, we can store a tremendous amount of body fat. I mean, I, I just lost 50 something pounds this year and, and I'm still by no means ripped up in great shape. But I'm getting better still as I as I start to tone. The point of it is, I watch kids who are really at the end of the day going to eat what you put in front of them. Eventually, if they're hungry enough, they're going to eat the healthy True. food. So that whole excuse of "oh yeah, they won't eat" that is nonsense. We are 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 setting ourselves our kids up to be very very sick in years to come by the way we feed them. Um, you know, people don't understand how simple it is to be on your program, Robert, because. It talks about balance and, and proportion and, and portion size in conjunction with each other. You can eat things that stereotypically on other diet programs, they'll tell you, oh, no, you can never have it. No, you can. You just have to eat it in proportion and in balance with other things that make it a fat burning meal. And so not knowing that ahead of time and watching my own nieces and nephews setting their, cells, their, their kids up to be very unhealthy in years to come is very sad to me. And I think where Tommy Thompson comes in is he understands that because of his former positions that he's been in before politically. And I think he's going to help us educate people. Mm -hmm. They need to learn these things because I don't think a lot of people have your program. I don't think a lot of people, a lot of people have explained this to America the way you're explaining that this to them. And so I'm really looking forward to it. I've said it's Barbara, you and I should be getting on a tour bus and going to universities and going to schools and, and going on morning talk shows to let parents know this is how you need to do it. And your kid can still have things they like, but they have to eat it in this kind of balance. It's all about balance. Life is all about it balance. is. Yeah. But but there's a place where there is an imbalance and it's called politics. Right. So <laughs> if you talk about politics over the next couple of days, let's say it's Thanksgiving, <laughs> <laughs> then those same people will not show up come Christmas. Yeah. Uh, we also know that if you talk about religion, religion over the next few days, then you're going to upset some people yeah. as well. And what I've also <laughs> noticed over the years, Daniel, is that when you talk about um, how to lose weight, nutrition, yeah. you get the same type of arguments. It's like people want to be right. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's a lack of humility or just ego is so huge that mm-hmm. they don't want to be humble enough to say, hey, I'm down. Right. So if you take you, for instance, Daniel, and, you know, someone that you and I both know, mm-hmm. uh, 
if they know about what you've done and they knew about the diet free life methodology before you did it, but yet they're not doing it. And right. so where they're placing their value is more on their life at the moment mm-hmm. where you, and I'm not speaking for you, but just <clears throat> give an example of my point. When Daniel Baldwin said, Hey, mm-hmm. I'm placing value here. I'm going to go run with the bulls. Like everything was just so high up right. and so important to you that it became a number one priority. Mm-hmm. And I'll end on this additional point that Barbara competes in these fitness shows and when she decides to make you know go for it there is nothing that you can put in front of her that is absolutely delicious to eat that she's eaten but when she's training and she's focused the value of walking on that stage is so much higher mm-hmm. than the gratification of eating that donut at this moment <laughs> and so you know what i mean so yeah. when you look at it mindset becomes like the key component right to being able to be successful whether it's losing the weight you know sticking to a plan Mm -hmm. and i'm sure daniel you know tell me if i'm missing it but you know when it comes to addiction like have you noticed that people who used to be an athlete when they're going through detox and recovery Mm -hmm. tend to do better than people who never were an athlete Mm -hmm. because of mindset daniel that's a good question yes i i i think that anything in life um where you're, where you have dedication. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I can see people. I saw people recently speaking in one of your rooms with a class, and I zoned in on one guy just because the energy I felt. Yeah. I knew he wasn't succeeding as well as he could, and I could, I could feel. It. And so I singled him out with with Barbara, mm-hmm. uh, and spoke directly to him. What's going on with you, man? What's happening? It was an older gentleman. You remember, Barb? Absolutely. Uh, actually, I, I, uh, I was right there when you zoned in on yeah. him. <laughs> and I'll share something with yeah. you after you make your point, but then I'll share something with you about that. Well, and, and so what I'll, what I'll say to you is, you know, and this might be something I just came to me. Have you thought about, Robert? Because people can be very visual. If you can show them. So I wonder if we didn't get together with a friend of ours named Ziggy. <laughs> And we weren't able to take a person when they first come in and take a series of photographs of them or film them from multiple angles as he does with his expertise, which is augmented reality, Mm -hmm. and show them what their projections of what they would look like in month one, month two, Mm -hmm. month three, month four, and showed them reducing themselves as their goal. Imagine, because you could do that with augmented reality. Mm -hmm. You could show them what they would look like at 40% body fat to 30% to 25% and give them a goal based on a visual. Mm. Have you thought about that? I've thought about it. And there's actually companies and there's apps that do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not as high level as what we could do. Um, But as you were sharing that, Daniel, my mind went to what, because augmented reality is when you bring something into your world. Right. Right. And your world still exists. So Mm -hmm. through my phone, Imagine when you're not feeling as good as you want to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've probably dropped 5, 10, 20 pounds, but you're far from where you want to be. And you can put your old you. Come on now. Old you. You, you yeah. can put who you used to be. I feel like <laughs> T.D. Jakes right now. You could, you, you could put who you used to be into the room with you now. Now. Yeah. <laughs> That second cup what would is that be like, in. Daniel? If you could take the guy that you were 
at 285 pounds and put him right next to you and look at you now with who you used to be. Right. I said, what's up, fatty? I'd say, say one of two things. I'd say, what's up, fatty? Or I'd say, Alec, is that you? Oh. Hey, now. Hey, now. I'm not saying he's gained weight or anything. Hello. Hello. So, and then, so Daniel, just to kind of let you know, so the gentleman that you did speak to, I guess now it's been what, a week or so? So that was so impactful for him. Do you know that after that, he had, he was texting uh, me about just his progress with the methodology, with making sure he was snacking. Because I think he made the joke about the fanny pack during that talk too, about having snacks with them. And I tell you, he ended up uh, dropping, I, I can't remember specifically how much body fat percent he dropped but he did drop and he did lose about five pounds and he shared with us that um this is the first time that he's ever had any kind of success but he was struggling at first I mean the struggle was real for him and uh it was amazing that you actually like you said like you felt that energy that there was something not quite not quite right but just that he was struggling a bit and that you reached out to him and I think it was really a really helped his mindset i mean we're talking about mindset here but um how important that was you know for him to to get that you know get that help that was the uh, well that was really cool Mm -hmm. to to watch that he'll remember that for the rest of his life that daniel baldwin stopped everything he was doing yeah we 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 want we want to have hope and it's listen as you get older, your metabolism changes. Well, I mean, I, I told, so my knees been bothering me and I got off the phone with, with a very good friend of the family's, Dr. Bogosian, he's a knee guy. And I said, you know, I'm not sure, but I think I may have torn something. And I explained to him how it first occurred that I got off an airplane after sitting for, he goes, you didn't tear anything. Here's what I think you did, Bob. And so I'm gonna see him on Wednesday, but you know, I can't go down now, now that I've dropped 50 and I'm still not in the shape I was, but I can't go down to the gym. And all I have to hear was what this one kid said to me before I hurt my knee worse. Mm. He said, they're picking sides. Of course, they don't know that I can hoop. They see a 60 year old almost guy and who's a little heavier and they go, and I'm one of the second to last guy, you know, there's Squiggy who's got, you know, one, you know, his head tilted sideways, one eyeball closed than me. <laughs> and so this guy goes, I'll take, I'll, we'll take this guy and they pick me. I used to be the first guy, the captain of the team, twenty years well, ago. Now, well, I'm hey, hey, hey so Daniel, you know, you know, my mind, <laughs> it oh, goes no. back to like grade school, where it's like, you're right, we were we were athletes, and so yes. we are the ones who get picked first. Picked first to now wake up and go into the gym <laughs> and have that moment when you're the guy. Oh, no, it's, <laughs> you're like what? It's, it's worse. It's worse. I'm it's the worse. last one. Here's what the kid. Here's what the kid made the mistake of saying. So now they've picked the five on five guys. And I'm on the last guy picked on this one team. And so as we're picking who you're going to guard, we had the ball and they're picking us. And this big, tall, like 25 year old kid goes, I'll cover the old guy. <laughs> I'll cover the old guy. Like, What's up with that? I was on a mission to kick his right. ass now. I mean, I, I went, you know, I went off on show him. him scored, scored driving, scored shooting, shut him down on defense. The next morning, uh-huh. I couldn't get out of bed. <laughs> I, I mean, literally, my knees were swollen. My uh. back hurt. I was, you know, I just, I felt terrible. I didn't sleep well because how achy I was. And that's the reality of the world at 60. That's the reality. Yeah. Of the world. That is the reality. The question, becomes, <laughs> the question becomes, can you change 
the script. Can you change your life script for the sake of living longer and watching your kids get married and watching them, you know, go to college and meeting your grandchildren? And the answer is yes, you can. Mm-hmm. You can. You absolutely can. But it does take some work. It does. Yeah, yeah there's there, there's there's some serious work that for sure. And that's why I always think about athletes. Um, but as you were talking, Daniel, and then based on what you were saying, Barbara, uh-huh. and I, I want to take a moment. I want to share a, a story. Okay. I want to talk about it. And then what I want to do is I want each one of you to share a moment or story, something that touched you or you believe people would benefit from it if they heard it. Okay. And the story that I have is about a guy named Richard Simmons. Are you familiar with Richard Simmons, Barbara? I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, Daniel, have you ever met Richard? I know Richard. He knows, Daniel knows everybody. Know <laughs> I did Howard Stern with Richard a couple oh, times. Oh, how that, fun. That must have been a great, yeah. great interview. Well, <laughs> so I'm in the airport and I'm waiting. You know, I was at the time I was traveling a lot. Well, I guess I still travel a lot. But I'm yeah. in the airport and I see Richard Simmons. And I'm like, man, you know, I want to go say, I want to go say something to him. But I didn't. I didn't want to bother him, right? So time goes by. And I see this lady, literally, I'm sitting there looking at this lady walking by. I think it was like a chocolate factory, uh, but it had like donuts and caramel apples and all these things in the in the case. Yeah. And she's there for a while. She's staring. She's looking. You can tell she's trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to get? Mm-hmm. And I watch Richard Simmons walk over to this lady. And I see him take her hand and they start having a conversation. Now, I can't hear what what they're talking about. But I, I'm watching it all go down. Yeah. And then I see Richard give her a big old hug. And, of course, he was wearing shorts. I think this guy is always <laughs> in character. <laughs> and a tank top? And a tank Yeah, he did have a tank top. Oh. No, he had a shirt on. Oh. Yeah. But he had a shirt Dressed on, but up. he looked like Richard Simmons, right? Okay. Had the hair going and everything. Yeah. So, and then I watch her walk away. And we're on the same plane. And Richard Simmons leaves. And I walk over to her. And I say, hey, if you don't mind, I saw you were talking to Richard Simmons. Like, if you don't mind, like, like, what did he give you? Like, do you guys know each other? Mm-hmm. And then she goes, no, he told me that I can be successful. He said that I didn't have to eat what I was looking at because she didn't buy anything. And she said, uh, all he did was encourage me. And she says, I believe this man changed my life. Oh, Now. What I I don't know if she went on to lose a ton of weight, but I know that he used his celebrity mm-hmm. and what he's known for to go over to someone who is ready to receive hope. And I I take my hat off to Richard Simmons because he definitely in public I saw him do his work that he's all that he's known for as far as you know or I watched him do it publicly even though it was a private situation, and he's known for that public work. But it was really right. cool to to see him do what he preaches when no one else was really watching. Mm. And it changed me. And it reminded me of the role and the importance of hope. And I think oftentimes that's what people are looking for is they're looking for someone to help fuel that reality that it is still possible to be successful. Mm. Boom. And that's all I'm going to say. Wow. Yeah, that was nice. Thank you. All right, let's let Barbara go. Your turn. All right, let me see. I've got a couple stories here, but I'll share this one. 
So, okay. So I'm not sure if you know, Daniel, but, um, you know, I was in aerospace for like 18 years before I, my life as a, as a nutrition and weight loss coach. And I actually, I love that career. I loved everything about it. Um, but at the same time I knew there was something more for me. I knew that, um, I just had a, a higher purpose, I guess. Okay. Don't um, start crying. I'm going to start. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm going to kind of speed through this. So part of that journey was at the same time, I think Robert mentioned that um, I got into, you know, bikini competitions, into bodybuilding. And my purpose there wasn't necessarily to, uh, you know, go pro, which eventually I did go pro. But my my focus there was truly on something positive for myself. And um the issue, though, is I think that oftentimes when we go through changes, so at the same time I'm going through a separation, I'm going through a divorce, all these things, and, you know, I was trying to still at the same time do something that was truly positive for me, um, that helped me focus, and that helped me still keep priority on the things that were important as far as my son and my career. But there's people around you that oftentimes become your, I guess your critics you know they're not necessarily so supportive of the changes that you're going through and I remember they're still friends to this day they were my coaches at the time they're mentors and dear friends of mine I remember them telling me this they said you know oftentimes it's not necessarily that people are trying to keep you down although there are some people who do that but a lot of times um, they're just not sure of what's going on They, they just need a better understanding of what it is that you're doing and why it's important and they basically told me this, that, that if it's important to you, that you stick to it, you stay true to it, and you just fight for it with everything that you've got. And so I did. And I, I remember this lesson to this day so clear because there's a, now she's a, a, a former client of mine, coaching client, weight loss client, and a very similar type of situation where I knew that she wanted help in her kind of in limited ways she was reaching out to me but still very scared to really ask and to take that step you know to get help and I remember thinking of the same advice that I got about just you know it's not about pushing on this person it's really just about showing them love and uh, and showing that there's a connection there's something there for them and eventually this person did come around she did reach out to me for coaching she's one of those people who for majority of her life, she was in her mid-60s, had been struggling with diet, had been struggling with food, um, really felt um, like a victim to food. And I remember her telling me when she finally made the choice to work with me, she said, you know, what made the difference is that I just knew that you were there to help me. It wasn't about trying to push anything on me, about forcing your view or your, you know, how you've competed or how you've done this and that. It was truly just about, you know, opening your heart and showing me that you wanted to help me. And that's what she held on to and was finally able to take that step herself. And I just thought how, what a special gift that was that it was something that I needed, you know, a number of years back that I felt, you know, alone at times. And then when these people showed me that they were there for me just to support how powerful that is. So you got the, you, you got to pay it forward. I got to pay it forward. And that's when I realized this is what, I was looking for, you know, this is what I thought my higher purpose was, is paying that forward and how, I mean, how truly special that is for people. Like we might think, we might take certain things for granted, but wow, when you can actually give that back, I mean, it's a game changer for a lot of people. Nice. So Barbara's living the dream, Daniel. Yeah. 
D money. (laughs) 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 All right, Daniel. So we can't wait. I want to thank you for sharing that, Barbara. That was very inspirational. Yeah. And definitely you, you are definitely a person who, in my opinion, the total opposite of Daniel Baldwin. It's uh, you have total empathy and compassion. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Daniel. And actually, I, I can make fun of Daniel on that one because he went out there and to- showed those young kids. He did. What's up? You know like, what I mean? He was like, you're going to learn today. Good job, Daniel. Repping, yeah. repping the, the 50s, the 50 year olds. <laughs> I, I can remember this guy, David. Um, he had two daughters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was back in um, probably the mid nineties. And my mother has two big events for her breast cancer research fund every year. One is their golf tournament, which has nearly 600 and something golfers on three different courses, twice, two flights. It's a, a huge event. Yeah. And she has her gala, her black tie event. Mm-hmm. And, um, we basically raised money to try to find a cure for breast cancer. But this guy, David's wife, the mother of these two kids was like, you know, stage three coming up on four. She was in pretty bad shape, breast cancer, and they had no insurance. He had recently gotten laid off. And so we knew she wasn't going to make it. So we decided that we were going to scholarship her treatment, that we were going to scholarship a double mastectomy. Her lymph nodes had to be removed. She had to do radical chemo and radiation. She was, you know, probably still, even with our scholarship, you're probably not going to make it. And a year went by and we were at the gala and I see this man standing all dressed up with these two girls and they're staring at my table. And so I kind of looked over, you know, cause everyone's sitting eating and there's people talking up on the podium and everything. I keep looking over. And, and, and uncomfortable, like, you know, five straight minutes, which is an eternity for having someone standing 20 feet from you looking at you. And finally, one of the little girls waved at me. And so, of course, I waved back. I had no idea who they were. It was David, the husband of this woman. And um, they walked up to my table and they said, um, my wife's alive now and my children have a mom because of what you did. And... You know, sometimes you're out there and you're wondering if it's worth this whole acting thing for me. And, you know, is there enough in it for me anymore after doing a hundred and almost 50 movies and TV series? And, but those little girls have their moms still since 1995 because we intervened and scholarship this woman and saved her life. And I can't tell you how good I feel about that and that I was able to be a part of that and use the stupid celebrity thing or whatever in order to save a life. And and how would those girls have turned out without the influence of their mom? Where would that, what would happen there? Um, so being able to give something back and be so blessed to have the life that we have um, is a gift. And uh, I will never forget, they, they didn't even have the money to do that. They weren't staying at the gala. They weren't at a table. It was like 500 a ticket. He got them all dressed up just to come say thank you to me because I, I got them in and my sister Beth. And uh, that's one of my favorite stories. Wow. I love it. You know, see, that could be a show all in it and it, on its own. For sure. Is a story uh, as a show about stories. 
Oh. Because isn't it stories, you know, like, or at least like growing up as a kid, I remember watching Roots. Did you ever watch Roots, Barbara? I mean, <laughs> I remember the show, but I don't remember. Okay. Alex Haley. Alex Haley. I mean, during that time. Yeah. Okay. So I, Yo, don't cry to you. And then I ended up crying. Yeah. So, I, so I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a few years older than Barbara. And I'm in that group of kids. You know, we watch Roots. Mm-hmm. And the next day, and Daniel, I'm sure the same with you. You were probably in high school. I think maybe I was in junior or grade school or something. Yeah. But I'll never forget how everything was different the next day going to school. Everything mm-hmm. was different. And it's yeah. been different since. Mm. It was, uh, you know, you hear the word slave, you hear about slavery, right? you hear, you know, people talk about it, but when you were able to watch a movie and get to see what it potentially was like, right? Uh, game changer. I'm sure. And the what made me think about Roots is because we're talking about stories. Mm-hmm. And I know with my daughters, I share I teach I share stories all the time mm-hmm. because it's the stories that they're going to remember and pass on for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the stories where and I'm sure there's a historical part of that, Daniel, right? Like where we know that it's, you know, I know from a biblical standpoint, it's mm-hmm. all about you get the story, the story, then you share it and then you share it to your kids and then you share it. They share it to their kids. Mm-hmm. And that's how knowledge and information would get passed on. Mm-hmm. Well, see, but and here's the important thing to remember. There are people out there that watch the story. There are people out there that are in the story. And then there's people out there that write the story. And what we're doing now is writing the story. Mm-hmm. We're going to write the story for the future for a lot of people with what we're doing. That's right. We're writing it. Mm-hmm. And I love that. It's pretty cool. There's, and there's some stories, man. There are. <laughs> there are. And I love it. Like, even when, you, when, uh, when Daniel and Greg, they... They have a show that they do out of uh, Texas every month, and it's all about recovery. Mm -hmm. And I like it, Daniel, when you share stories on there. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've heard Greg share stories, but it's the stories that move me. Oh, yeah. And I think it's the stories sometimes that give hope. It's like when Daniel was talking to your group of people. Yes. You know, one, you know, you have this major celebrity who's in the same building. Mm -hmm. And then two... You have these people who are thinking, well, he's not going to, you know, he's not, he may wave and say hi. Right. But for him to stop everything he was doing mm-hmm. and to go and give of himself and share his part of his story, man, that moved those people. It did. And Daniel, I got to see them in their graduation and they're still talking about they you. They are. They you are. Know, I was jealous. Actually. I told Barbara, I said, I go, we should, every time I'm out, I should come in. Oh, it'd be so amazing. Well, what we'll do every is time. we'll do like a big event. Yeah. You know I mean? We'll put on an event, get four or 500 people to come. Right. And have like a an open forum mm-hmm. uh, and touch on some of the things that are breaking up families. Right. One is drugs well, and two is health. Mm-hmm. No. And well, yeah, but I'm talking about, you know, listen, you got you have to understand something, too. There's people that come in and they talk about a variety of things that they're they're plugging for the company or they work for the company. Well, when I went to go do this run with the bulls and when I went to go see my doctor, I was in trouble. My diabetes was going back off the charts again. My triglycerides were way up there again. I had gained 30 pounds in one year. As a diabetic, that's like playing Russian roulette. I mean, with your heart, stroke, and so on. 
So when I say, and I would have said this about, you know, any other diet program, if it was the one that I had used that I had success and I had tried a bunch, this program saved my life. It pro, it's prolonging my life. It's, it, it allowed me not just to finish the movie and run with the bulls, but to this day, my A1C, I'm about to go down and see the doctor again so I can show Robert the, the difference now since the last time I went when it started to elevate again. So, I mean, I, I, I'm talking to them from my experience, from my strength and from my home right. that I went through this. So much so that I document it in the film. I show the box when it comes. I show I open it up and there's Robert's book and the stuff <laughs> I have to do with my diet. And I show myself making... Uh, you know, balanced meals, a fat burning meal. And I, I literally, I was actually kind of boring in that. And you don't have to do it this way, but I had like a rotating three meals a day that I ate every day for four months, the same meals. So I I had three different breakfasts that I just kept rotating through three different lunches, three different dishes and the same snacks. And I stayed out because I wanted to see with consistency what would happen if I did. So there was, well, what was this week better? No, I did the same thing. I'm the kind of person that is provided there's foods that I like there. I could eat steak five days a week. I, I, I could eat this or whatever it was. And the results are undeniable. Right. I get on the scale and I weigh myself. <laughs> I go to the doctor and I check my sugar. I go, you know, so I'm not, I'm not saying it because I think it's cool or Robert's my friend. Or I'm saying it because it's exactly what I did and it worked. Mm-hmm. It, it really works. At the end of the day, the proof is at the pump, they used to yeah. say. You put the gasoline in the car, and how does the car run? <laughs> well, when I started this thing, I couldn't step on a basketball court. Now I can school 15, 20, 25-year-olds. Nice. I mean, my, my whole the whole thing has, has yeah. changed yeah. for me. All, and, all those kids were overweight, by right. the way. Right, and then back to, what you were saying, <laughs> <laughs> back to what you were saying, Robert, about just stories in general, which I think is uh, you know why they're so powerful, is especially when they're honest stories and you're being truthful and also, Daniel, about how you shared your story with our group coaching class a few weeks back. But um, I think they're so powerful because they they reflect real life. They reflect so – most people think, okay, they want to lose weight or whatever it may be. And then when they see things, like you said, on social media, a lot of times it's just paint this picture of perfection is painted. Mm-hmm. you know. But when you hear these stories that – from people who have success and they've, you know, they've experienced some level of, of success in their life, but – their story actually shares that it wasn't just this straight trajectory up. It was like lows and all these up and downs and real life comes into play and struggles and all this, all these difficulties come into play. And then they realize that, and this is something that even as a coach I'm trying to show is that despite life and all the ups and downs, you can still succeed. It doesn't have to be this, like I said, a straight trajectory up that there are going to be lows and there are going to be struggles, but you can still win. You can still get to where you want to go. And so hearing short stories like from you that you shared with us and then also from you, Daniel, um, that it is. It's like this up and down, but you can still move that angle of the line up, though, even Absolutely. despite the up and down. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We should have a letter. We should have like a, like a, a, like a chart yeah. where it shows what I looked like in the beginning <laughs> and then I could be – like what you could look like in six months 
and then Robert could be what you look like in a year, and then we all want to become and look like Barbara. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, I'm going to share uh, a story okay. as we come to a close. All right. Which, you know, I hate leaving you guys. I know. And uh, or watching you walk away <laughs> into the sunset. Mm -hmm. But, um, Daniel, I shared this story the other day with a group of people, and I don't know if I've shared this with you, so I'll, I'll keep it short. Okay. But, my mom, you know, when she began living a diet-free life, mm -hmm. she, you know, had watched her son help a lot of people lose weight. But she didn't believe that you could lose weight the way her son was teaching people on TV. So my <laughs> mom, you know, every time I would, I would see her, I would introduce her to doctors who had lost over 100 pounds. I would, I'll never forget introducing her to this lady named Kathy that worked for me, who mm -hmm. went from 449 pounds down to 175 pounds at almost six feet tall. Um, and, and she wasn't in her 20s or 30s. She was in her late 40s, early 50s. Uh, yeah. So my mom would meet all of these testimonials in real life, these, these people, right? Mm -hmm. And so finally, my mom says, I wanna, I'm, I'm going to do your program. And so when she decides to do the program, this is after years of dieting, right? doing all the diets. This is after having her um, uh, right shoulder uh, reconstructed twice because she didn't pay attention or listen to the, the words of wisdom from her doctors. <laughs> this is after surviving breast cancer twice. Wow. This is after having both her knees reconstructed twice. This is after having her feet worked on uh, quite a few times. Mm -hmm. And all of this correlates to her excess body fat. Right. And this is after my mom had three stents placed in her arteries. And this is also after my mom had lost a daughter and went through the emotional pain and frustration of that. And as I mentioned earlier, yeah. this is a woman who was had major success with recovery and to this day she still is in recovery wow. so after all of that my mom's gonna do it so i invite my mom to come out to california <laughs> and i was like if we're gonna do this you gotta do it here mom so we started uh you know i'll never forget we got on the scale i said you're not gonna step on the scale for 21 days then we had breakfast and I remember the first breakfast, she, she goes, what are you eating? I said, I'm going to have oatmeal. And she goes, ah, I don't eat oatmeal. I said, have you ever had, you know, you haven't had my oatmeal. Right. Can I make it for you? Mm -hmm. And she goes, I go, I mean, come on. You're already fighting me in the very beginning of this. Right. Well, anyway, I made the oatmeal. She looked at me with that look of like, yeah, it is good. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so my mom gets the oatmeal. She loves it. Then I'll never forget. We had pasta the first day. So mm. for dinner. So we sit down to have pasta. And Daniel, you will love this. <laughs> I make the pasta. I give her her plate. And she says, so, so tomato sauce, the marinara, what is that? It's not a, is it a fast carb, son? I go, it's a condiment. The pasta is a fast carb. She goes, okay. And so I'm now getting ready to like make my plate. And my mom says, well, how much sauce is that? And I said, it's a half a cup. And with my mom, because of her years of dieting, right. I made it really clear that we're going to take advantage of that knowledge mm -hmm. and experience by having you measure everything. Uh. Like everything was weighed and measured right. because she was comfortable there. Right. So my mom says, I don't think that's a half cup. I said, what do you mean? Is it less? Is it more? She goes, it's definitely more than a half a cup. <laughs> and I grabbed the, the measuring cup. Mm -hmm. I sure that it's a half cup. I pour it on the pasta. My plate looks exactly the way her plate looks. Yep. And she goes, 
I don't have measuring cups like that. <laughs> Think about that, Daniel. Think about that. And I said, what are you saying? Uh-huh. She goes, well, I don't think that's a half cup. So I get up. I leave the house. I go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. I buy two different measuring cups. I come back to the house. <laughs> and then I demonstrate to her that it is a half cup. Right. And then she was quiet for the rest of the day. <laughs> well, on t- after day 21, my mom steps on the scale and she's down 12 pounds. Wow. She goes on to lose 125. But here's, I say all of that to share this point. Yeah. My mom leaves California, goes back to Indiana. Mm-hmm. Couple weeks goes by and she says, I'm not losing weight. I said, what do you mean? We, you know, we're on the phone. I said, get your journal. She was journaling. Uh-huh. And I said, mom, you're not losing weight because you changed everything. She goes, I didn't change anything. So what happened is my mom felt that if she could eat as much as she was eating and lose weight, that if she cuts it in half, she'll lose even more weight. Oh, my God. Well, she slowed her metabolism. Mm-hmm. She wasn't getting enough food. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have these things called fat-burning meals and fat-burning snacks. It's one, to make sure that people are eating. Right. And two, they're eating enough to where they're maximizing their ability to burn excess body fat. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're called fat burning meals and snacks. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people will take a little bit of information, Daniel, Barbara, mm-hmm. and it'll actually get in their own way. Yeah. She took a little bit of knowledge from what she used to know, applied it to what we were, what, where she had actually lost 12 pounds. Right. And then it backfired. So that's a great story. You got to follow the program. Yeah. See, now, had it been me and you would come to my house while you were at the supermarket to go buy the two different cups, <laughs> I had eaten both plates of pasta. And when you walked in, I would have said, nope, doesn't feel like it's a half cup at all. Yeah, in fact, I threw it away so we could tr- start all over. And that is so real, Daniel. That is so real. <laughs> So true. Hey, uh, hey! Before we go, I also wanted to give you like uh, something to play with. If you haven't done this with your daughters, Daniel, and so yesterday, my God, is it the blindfold game? I yes. Watched? Oh my God, it was so great, <laughs> dude. So I'm going to tell the story. So Robert turns around, he posts on Facebook. He plays this game with his two daughters <laughs> who are around right around the same age as my daughter. It was brilliant. He's got them both sitting at the kitchen table. Beautiful little girls, by the way. And they have blindfolds on and they have a bowl in front of them. And Robert goes, all right, I'm going to place this object in your bowl and you have to tell me what you think it is. So he's got a bowl of water and he puts a slice of bread in the bowl. <laughs> so, for, and it's so yeah. funny because they can't see anything. So first, you know, the, the hand goes, oh, yeah, yeah. And they're flipping out and it's taking on more and more water. The bread's getting soggy. <laughs> And they start freaking out at how it, how it feels. And then one of your daughters finally got it. Yeah, and, and we did. Like, after that, I took, like, a thing of t- uh, Top Ramen. And I put oh. it in there. <laughs> and so little Faith like was, like, worms. putting her hand in. She's like, oh, my God, it's prickly. Is it pineapple? <laughs> and then, Oh, I would have tortured them. I would have put some nasty Well, stuff. you know, then they get to do it to you. So, like, right. when you do it with your girls, you know, you can find anything in the house. Right. And just put it in there. You know, I put uh, a banana. I took a banana and cut it in half. <laughs> and they're like touching the banana. Like, what the hell? They're like, what is it? Is that snot? 
Oh, that's so <laughs> They're funny. like, Dad. Yeah, so make sure you videotape it, Daniel, when you do it. Because hey, that should, was. We, that should, will, we oh, should do a show. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, then we can do it to each other. And we're all fine. back in studio again. Yeah, that'd be good. Well, yeah. anyway, thanks, you guys, for today. This has been fun. Yeah, no, thank you. And thank you, Daniel. And, uh, can, yeah, you know, I was wondering, too, maybe on Facebook or on, on, on whatever site you want to do it. Maybe as as they watch our show, people can send questions in. Maybe we could do a little segment of questions. That we Actually, I like that. Yeah, we can yeah. do that. Well, the, the next goal with this show mm-hmm. uh, is to also broadcast live mm-hmm. on Facebook mm-hmm. and some of the other platforms simultaneously as we're, you know, and then we do some work in post yeah. and then make it available to the world mm-hmm. that way. But going live, oh, so we'll be able to like see what people are saying live as right. we're on Facebook. It'll just pop up. That'd be great. Oh, that's yeah. cool. I'll spin on my and I know people will write stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, let's make it happen, sir. Let's do it. Well, you know what? Let's go. Home. Well, there you go, you guys. This is another episode of the Stay Healthy Experience. Sweet. And uh, I'm ending with uh, oh, yeah. In the Fight, Daniel. That's right. In the Fight, baby. In the Fight. <laughs> be afraid, baby. Don't be afraid. All right. Thank you. Bye, guys. Until next time. Stay healthy. Bye.